Welcome everyone to a special day after edition of Breaking Big Blue. The Giants lost again. They're now 0-4. We're getting used to this, right? I'm actually sitting here, right? And it's Monday, Monday afternoon. I let the game sit for a little bit. And as I'm going back and thinking about it, yes, their offense is pathetic right now. 11.8 points a game in the NFL is ridiculous. But I'm sitting here after a 17-9 loss to the Rams on the road, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? There's some positives to take from this, right? The the Giants' defense played well. They hung in, but quite frankly, we all thought they were going to get blown away by this Rams team. They were 13-point underdogs. Like, they hung in the game. They had a chance. I mean, the turnover, the Daniel Jones interception late in the game, that's one that kind of bothers you because he could have ran it. Just to throw an interception there is just – I had a line written in my story. Right, because you got to pre-write, because you got to have something done when the game's over. So, j- the one silver lining was that Daniel Jones didn't have a turnover for just the second time in his 16 starts, and then guess what? Daniel Jones had a turnover for now the 15th time in 16 starts. So that one bothers you, but overall, the defense played better, the running game improved, the offensive line was so much better in the second half. Like there was good things to take from that game. The Giants are. I mean, they're shorthanded. They're basically playing left-handed offensively without Saquon Barkley. They just don't have enough weapons. And you add Sterling Shepard to that mix right now. Like, this is a bad team. This is a bad team they put together. Like, their only way to win is to kind of control the ball, not give up a lot of points, keep it close, and try and eke out a close game. They're not going to win any shootouts with anybody. Their offensive line as a whole, not very good. Their running back position, not very explosive. Wide receiver, pedestrian right now. Tight end, supposed to be strength. Somehow, Jason Garrett, who, by the way, there should be pressure on Jason Garrett, especially coming facing the Cowboys this week. He has not done a good job with this offense. Got to get them going. But the one thing you expected from him was, oh, he's been great with tight ends. Evan Ingram, while, yes, injury-prone throughout his career so far, when he's been on the field, he's produced somehow Jason Garrett has stopped that from him. They can't even get him to be really productive. They can't get him into open field, open space. They're not throwing a ball down the field. I think they threw a ball one down the field. I got I, I to gotta look, but I like maybe twice in this game? And none were to Evan Ingram. Where's getting him into space? I think he's I, – I looked last week heading into the game. I think they threw one pass to him over 20 yards – this season through the first three weeks. And I don't remember any yesterday. So one pass to that guy down the field, you want to match him up with these linebackers, with these safeties and try to get him downfield or get him moving across the field. I mean, I don't know. They got, they got to find a way to get this offense going. But the reason for this podcast, this special uh, day, day after game podcast was I was going to answer your questions. I was going to do a Giants after dark. And I know you guys are upset. Guys and girls are all upset. You don't like what's going on. You don't like the direction of the franchise right now. And that's why I'm here to answer your questions and sort of help you get these off your chest, give it some context, and move forward. So with that being said, let's get straight to it. On to the next one. Yes, it's time for your favorite segment of this podcast. It's the time where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. Question number one comes from Paul Rudd. 
on Twitter. He says, do you trust Jason Garrett calling plays or working in the front office? Now, this is a good question because we all know what Jason Garrett did as the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, right? Mediocrity at its finest. That That's really what it was, let's be honest. Now, his offenses, though, were generally pretty good. The thing is, he hasn't called plays, I think it's since 2013. So we're a long time removed from him calling plays, which is basically the most important part of his job right now. Now, he's done a good job developing young quarterbacks. Like, look at Dak Prescott. Look at Tony Romo. He's obviously involved in that process, regardless of what his actual title has been. He was heavily involved in both those. So you would hope it would translate to Daniel Jones. Now, I was a little reluctant coming in saying, all right, he hasn't called plays in so long, in, you know, seven years or whatever. Now, the game changed a lot in seven years. It really has. I mean, it's a much more wide-open, pass-friendly game. Uh, College influence has come into the NFL big time. So it was like, okay, how much has Jason Garrett evolved? And right now, the answer to that question is it doesn't seem like He's evolved most. And even this past week, we saw them practicing some trick plays. I thought they were going to pull everything out of the bag. And it just looked vanilla come Sunday in in Los Angeles. So my trust level on Jason Garrett is somewhere probably a little bit below par. Like, I'm worried. You have to be worried. I don't know how you look at 11.8 points per game in the NFL. Scoring is at an all-time high. The Giants are averaging less than 12 points a game. So I am definitely worried about Jason Garrett. Question number two, Draft Day J says, Why do the Giants hate scoring touchdowns? Now here's just a theory. Ready? When you get in the end zone, then you got to have a celebration. Right? You got to make sure you don't take your helmet off. There's a lot that goes into it. You know, players jump on top of you. You could get hurt. You know, there's so much that comes with just scoring a touchdown. Everyone slaps you on the back, maybe hits your behind as you move off the field. These are all things you have to take in consideration if you're crazy enough to score a touchdown, which the Giants have not experienced now in two straight games. It's the first time since 1998 they have failed to score a touchdown in two straight games, right? Danny Cannell was the quarterback back then. And Ken Grammy snuck in a couple snaps in one of those games. But obviously, I'm kidding about why the Giants hate scoring touchdowns. Uh, but the bottom line is, I mean, Daniel Jones has two touchdown passes this year. Two. He's on pace for eight touchdown passes. <laughs> so something's got to change, and it's got to change quickly. Now, fortunately for the Giants, they might have the ultimate slump buster staring them in the face and you know what that is the dallas cowboys defense which stanks they're up next josh sobin on twitter asked question number three what percent of blame do each deserve for the inexplicably inept offense so far one is play calling scheme two is quarterback three is o-line four is offensive weapons and five is front office Mm. Now, this is a tough one because the offensive line has obviously been brutal. So I got to I gotta start there. That's got to be one or two. Uh, play calling and scheme has to factor in as well because 
there is just no reason. And I know the Giants are without Saquon, and we're gonna. That's why the offensive weapons are in there, and the offense as a whole doesn't, you know, isn't a great composition. But so for me, I'm gonna go one offensive line. They've been bad so far this year. That limits them. Two play calling scheme. Three quarterback. Right. Four offensive weapons and five front office. Oh no, so sorry. Four front office and five offensive weapons. Because I thought it was a two-run heavy team in the first place. They have two slot receivers are probably, you know, in Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard when when they're healthy. So the mix isn't great either. Evan Ingram isn't exactly – I mean, this is an offense built for big physical tight ends. uh, And Evan Ingram – but they're doing a terrible job with Evan Ingram. Uh, So – but, yeah. Uh, So, to me, yeah, offensive line – they haven't been good enough. Uh, the play calling scheme, you should be able to scheme something up in today's NFL regardless, especially if your quarterback's pretty good, which we think Daniel Jones is supposed to be pretty good. So there we go on that. Uh, just, you know what, you know, they all deserve plenty of blame. That's the bottom line. All of them. I mean, it's just it's been an all-out fail. And Daniel Jones is the one I'm a little concerned about because I'm not seeing that growth that you were hoping to see in year two right now. Now, there's still plenty of time left. And he's still doing some good things. But there's too many things that are worrisome. He's being stuck on the first read, being a little slow to get rid of the ball. Uh, the turnovers, obviously. So if that doesn't improve, the QB is going to vault up the list because I'm not sure if he's going to be the future QB, the franchise QB, if he doesn't fix those. The sports mouth. This is a, a lot of questions here. When does David Mayo return? I'll answer that real quick. There's a good chance he returns this week. Is a Tate trade this season possible, plausible? Don't know what you would get for him. I don't think much at this point of his career. Same question for Ingram. Uh, I think Ingram would probably be more the more likely. Uh, at least he holds some value with other teams that they have. Uh, the other team would then pick up that fifty year have that fifty year option on him, which is a good financial thing. So it's not just a one year rental, which basically Tate would be because he makes too much money. He's probably no matter where he is going to be off that contract next year. Status of a possible Leonard Williams extension. Don't think they've made much progress on that end. Don't think they're anywhere close right now. And is it possible for Jason Garrett to be a one-and-done as offensive coordinator if the offense continues to struggle? Absolutely. Uh, I would not put it past anybody, uh, especially if there's a new general manager. And Joe Judge, if I've learned anything about him so far, is he's not afraid to get off somebody if he doesn't believe he's the right fit. Like, they're running through players, starting players on defense. He's not afraid. He's not just going to sit there and throw Corey Ballantyne out there because he, Corey Ballantyne's a draft pick. No. They benched him. They put in Isaac Yadam, who they had picked up uh, you know, in a trade for a seventh rounder. That didn't work out. They threw in Ryan Lewis this week. And you know what? They claimed Madre Harper from the Raiders. He'll be starting soon, too. You'll see. At Ross McLaren. N.S. Ross asks, is Nick Gates improving? And I think the answer to that is yes. And this is why I said before I could look at this game and take away some optimism from it because the second half offensively, while they didn't get in the end zone, they did make strides. The Giants ran the ball significantly better. I think they ran the ball for 90-something yards, maybe 91 is the exact number. And if you think about it, you thought they had no chance of blocking Aaron Donald. And, yes, they double-teamed him all day. Center guard pretty much on him every play if they could. But, I mean, everybody does that. The fact that they were to limit Aaron Donald 
is an accomplishment for that unit. They ran the ball well in the second half. Like, we talk about it all the time. Continuity is a thing with the offensive line. The Giants have basically a new center, a new left tackle, a new right tackle. Okay? So, three of the five new spots in a season where they didn't really have an offseason. So, it was going to take time. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, that second half Sunday is something they can build on. Next question is, O Field Goal says, why is Matt Parrott not the right tackle starter? Now, I understand people are always looking for the next best thing, but I don't understand the fascination right now with people pounding on Cam Fleming, who's the starter at right tackle. He has been pretty good the last three games. He's exactly what the Giants expected when they signed and intended to start Cameron Fleming. He's been a serviceable, slightly above average right tackle, a veteran. Uh, you know, a guy you could trust to be okay, to hold up. You know, the same as they got with Mike Remmers. You know, the the same concept. That's what I see in Cam Fleming. Now, Matt Parrott is a young, raw. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. Tackle from UConn. If anything, and I know people want to use somebody. They, 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 somehow Cam Fleming, because he had a rough opener, has just become the whipping boy for the offensive line. Okay? But let's be honest. Will Hernandez has played worse than Cam Fleming. Nick Gates has played worse than Cam I would even say Kevin Zeitler's play is on par with, Ken, with, with Cam Fleming. Kevin Zeitler's supposed to be the best offensive lineman on this line. But, and I'll be honest with you, his mobility – or lack thereof at this point, is a little troubling. He's not moving as well as he did. And I know he had, and this was kind of under the radar, and I had heard it through the grapevine, he was struggling with his ankle a little bit during training camp. I'm not sure if Kevin Zeitler 
is 100% himself. Now, he'll never admit it. The Giants are never going to talk about it. He's never on the injury list. But he has not looked right to me from the start this year. And then you want to get to Andrew Thomas. Now, people are just looking for any bright spot to say, okay, yeah, yeah, there's something to harp on here. There's something there. He's the number four overall pick. But let's be honest. He's been their worst offensive lineman. If you're going to make a change on the offensive line and it's merit-based, it would have to be Andrew Thomas. So what kind of message is that sending to the team? If the Giants say, okay, we're going to go put Matt Parrott in. And Parrott, who played one drive in the end of the first half, which by my count allowed two pressures, one where maybe it wasn't a full pressure, but he's really lucky he didn't get called for a hold, right? So, you know, he would have his ups and downs. You'd be starting two rookie tackles for Daniel Jones. And you know what? That would be trouble. I'm sorry. That would be big trouble because Andrew Thomas is not playing at a high level right now. By my count, and I went over the all 22 that I had access to, so I looked at different views, and I watched all five of the sacks. And by my count, Andrew Thomas was responsible for two and a half. And he's really struggled now. Now, we knew he was going to have his rookie ups and downs, but the Giants need him to play better. I mean, let's be honest, they need him to play better. So I don't think inserting Matt Parrott at this point would be the right move for this team. I really, really don't. At Evan Cobb Jazz says, has Daniel Jones progressed from season one to season two? That is an interesting question to me. Because you see some things, you see some flashes. He His getting out of the pocket the past few games, making positive plays when, when you know the pressure's on and everything's getting clamped down on him and, and the windows are closing, has been good. Some of the throws he made are good, but there's some things locking onto receivers. Uh, not being able – this is one thing that, that kind of is bothering me. Their inability to complete dump-down passes and short passes is staggering. You have to be able to complete dump-down passes to your running backs, whether they're – just a little bit off target or he's throwing darts on like real on like checkdowns like or just missing checkdowns like I see several times a game when he's under pressure and they I'm talking about you know non not not third and longs that I'm seeing where he needs to get the ball to like the wide to, to the uh, running back in the flat who's wide open get your five yards and move on to the next play I'm not seeing that so right now I'd say Daniel Jones is kind of stuck in neutral which is the worst-case scenario for the Giants. That's what we didn't want to see. You need to see him take, make strides, give you confidence that this team has their franchise quarterback for now and moving forward. But I don't know if there's any way that you could look at it right now and you could say you've seen these strides or you feel overly optimistic that this is 100% the guy. Because... There's been too many problems this year. And we, I didn't even really harp on the turnovers, but we know that's a problem. Got to cut them down. So we'll see. Granted, he doesn't have Saquon Barkley. He doesn't have that that threat that scares the opposing team right now. That's the opposing team has to scheme around. He doesn't have Sterling Shepard, which whatever you think of him, and I know people are getting down on him because of his injuries, it would be nice to have him available right now. He's a quality player, a starter at the NFL. The Giants don't have him. So losing Saquon for this offense was devastating, and we've seen that. And you've got to take that into account a little bit. Now, I don't want to make excuses. I, I want to see progress from Daniel Jones 
over the final 12 games. You need to see progress, especially if you're going to end up with anywhere near that top pick. If you want to even not think, and I don't even know if, if they end up number one, like I said before, it's almost a no-brainer. you got to go with Trevor Lawrence because it means that Daniel Jones didn't show the strides that you're hoping to see. Scooter Z 24 asked, how can this team allow Gettleman to be in control during another trade deadline? I will say, Scooter, that is an absolutely fair question because the logic behind last year's Leonard Williams trade is non-existent. There, there is no logic behind trading for a guy who was about to hit the free agent market when you were 2-6, and six, and then basically part of the reason you find out later on was that they needed to give, give this team a jolt. I mean, are you serious? And while Leonard Williams is playing above average this year, he's a quality player. He's certainly not a top-end player. Sorry, he's not. I, I look at these advanced stats in his pass rush. Now, he's flashing at times for sure, but he's just not a dominant overall player. He's a guy you would like to have on your defense and opposing teams look at and say this guy's a good player. He's not a team that opposing teams have to scheme against, though. He's just not. So there would be concern on my end with Dave Gettleman, who, by the way, didn't trade Landon Collins when he probably should have if they weren't going to re-sign him the year before, who then traded for Leonard Williams the next year. So this is his trade deadline history with the Giants. It's concerning. And if Evan Ingram doesn't fit and the Giants could get anything useful for him and they feel that that's the way they need to go, then this would be the time to trade him and maximize that. But... Do you want Dave Gettleman making that move right now? I wouldn't. But as I we spoke about last week with Dan Graziano, I don't see this organization making that move before the end of this season. I, they're not going to hastily make that move and say, we're 1-5, get rid of the GM. I, I just don't see that happening with this organization. I really don't. I see them, if they, go in that, if they, if they decide to go in that direction, which right now, I mean, the guy's 9-27 and 27 since becoming the GM. It's got to be the worst in the NFL. If it's not, it's damn close. But I, I just see them waiting till the end of the year before they decide to make that decision. So get. let's just hope that they don't botch it completely. And I think Joe Judge has enough input where he wouldn't let them make a move that he's vehemently against at this point. I really do. He's outspoken enough. I don't think the Giants, knowing that he's such, he is going to be part of their future, Joe Judge, that – they would do that. Last question from Instagram, Timmy Joyner. So I'm watching former Bengals Jaguars. I'm watching the Bengals Jaguars game and former New York Giants right tackle. Bobby Hart is starting and having a good game. The announcers were saying he had a rough go in New York, but has worked hard to start and get better. Has Gettleman since he arrived been the toxic, toxic per person in the organization? I mean, he has cut players and let players leave that, like you said, have been doing well in other organizations. It's so frustrating. What was Hernandez's draft grade and overall draft grade? He's been getting blown up. Let's not get carried away. I think we jumped a shark here if we're going about Bobby Hart as an example of where the Giants have gone wrong. Because Bobby Hart hasn't been a good right tackle for the Bengals. Uh, he's pedestrian at best. And he had his troubles and was a bad influence and a bad figure in that Giants locker room. Him and Eric Flowers were totally checked out. The Giants made the right move by getting rid of Bobby Hart. So let's not go there, okay? That's not – if we're going to say Dave Gettleman did this, 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 and this, let's not go and point out Eric Flowers, getting rid of Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart being wrong, being the moves that, you know, 
we harp on mistakes of his. He has way, way bigger fish to fry. We have way bigger fish to fry, I'm sorry, than going to Bobby Hart and Eric Flowers. I, I would not count those in his bad moves. Okay? Now, when you talk about Hernandez, there was a reason Will Hernandez did not go until the second round. Teams were concerned about his mobility and coming from UTEP and where he was, his ability to pick up NFL offenses. And I think you've seen that. When you see Will Hernandez make mistakes, his ability to recognize twists and stunts and and guys coming around is the problem. I mean, just watch it. It's there. And we're not talking a one-year thing now. And let's not put it all on, you know, uh, the previous offensive line coach. Because now Mark Colombo's here, and it's still a problem with Will Hernandez. The recognizing these stunts and twists and guys coming around. And there was a couple more on Sunday. Now, his run blocking was better. But I think we need to come to the realization of what Will Hernandez is. He's an average NFL starting guard. Okay, I'm not seeing anything to me that indicates he's going to be a lot better than that. Sorry. The evidence is there. Now, I like Will Hernandez. I think he could be a good, useful player. And it's more us that needs to adjust. Our expectations need to be adjusted on Will Hernandez. And with that, I'm going to end this special day after episode of Breaking Big Blue. Uh, I hope I answered a whole bunch of your questions. If you have more, you know how to reach me, as always. And tell your friends about this podcast. It's available anywhere you can get your podcast. It's available on the ESPN app. Give us a good rating. And feedback is always welcome. With that being said, we'll be back some point at later this week. We'll talk bigger picture what's going on with the Giants. We'll get into what to expect next, this coming Sunday, sorry, when they play the Dallas Cowboys. Because, look, this actually is a winnable game now, right? The Cowboys are not very good. Their defense is god-awful. So is this the week the Giants can get a W? And if not this week, seriously. When? When? So that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.